Thanks for listening to Embodied Astrology, where you can find free month-ahead mini-readings for all 12 signs in podcast form and special guest episodes such as the one you'll hear today. My name is Renee. I'm an astrologer, somatic movement educator, and embodied intuitive. I'm interested in exploring spaces where astrology intersects with art, healing, and activism. My guest today is Kian, aka Kianse, an Ifa priest in training, spiritual life and business coach, tarot reader, and cultural sociologist based in New Orleans, Louisiana. They grew up in rural Mississippi, where they cultivated most of their knowledge and experience related to their spiritual practices. Kianse is the founder of Millennial Soul Food, a web platform that they created to facilitate healing, as their mission's work is to help usher humanity into a higher vibratory state of consciousness. In their coaching and tarot consultations, clients work through emotional and spiritual blocks to facilitate personal and professional growth. Kian Dillon has a BA in Latin American Studies from the University of Mississippi and a master's degree in sociology with a focus in social psychology from the University of Michigan. I first came across Kianse's work and the Millennial Soul Food podcast, where I first come across a lot of things on the internet. I love the way that Kian shares their reverence for magic with millennials. Their memes are hilarious and on point, and they're always offering tips and tricks for spiritual well-being, psychic protection, abundance and manifestation, and more. I'm sharing this episode in Gemini season, aka Pride season, and as a Leo rising person, I have Gemini in my 11th house, which is the place in any astrology chart that symbolizes networks of friends and the internet. And since Kian and I are internet friends and queer, I'm super happy to be bringing you this conversation now. This year in 2021, Gemini season is also host to two powerful eclipses. So make sure you listen until the end when we both share some ideas for tuning in and working with them. I am in this moment a hoodoo mystic and I call myself a general occultist. Um, I also practice Ifa, so I'm an um, Orisha devotee. Um, and some of the most important experiences that brought me to this moment, uh, I would say definitely is where I grew up um, in Mississippi, in Tupelo, Mississippi, actually. Um, and my grandmother was very instrumental in um, kind of helping me understand that there are different levels to reality and that dreams are important um and culturally like she practiced to do because in the south like just um like you know cleaning your floors with pine salt is that's like a spiritual cleansing kind of um kind of thing but also it's just kind of like a normal part of everyday life and just like um yeah just different things but my grandmother definitely growing up in the south and then um, I would say a lot of the experiences I've had with transcendental med- meditation and um, and psychedelics. Mm. <laughs> what I is your? About... Oh my gosh! Yes. Um, okay. I okay. About psychedelics. I know, safe space. <laughs> Definitely a safe space. Okay. Good. Before we get there, um, what is one of your earliest memories of your grandmother and the way that she helped you? realize and learn that there were other realms or introduce you to hoodoo? Um, so my grandmother always used to read the Bible and she would have like premonitions like that. Um, so I would say 
hearing her tell a story about when she um, like predicted the death of a family member and she was like four years old or whatever. Um, and yeah, hearing that story, I was like, wow. And she actually called them premonitions and stuff. So um, yeah, just growing up, she would always talk about dreams a lot. And I think that um, kind of gave me an introduction into like informal dream analysis. Hmm. When did you realize that you had a connection to the spirit realm or that you were an intuitive? Oh, when I was like six, I guess, like maybe very young, because I used to have a stick that I would keep out on the fence. I was an only child growing up. So I would have a stick that I would keep out on the fence um, and I would go use it to conjure the wind. So I would oh like my go outside and be like, wind! And just like, I would get in touch with nature and like, you know, make it rain, <laughs> get in touch with the wind. And then, um, and then my mother, like she would drop me off at Books A Million, like this huge bookstore. And I was always interested in like elemental magic. She never knew that, but I would always go and look at those books. Cause I was really, I was really interested in nature. Like, cause I just grew up like, you know, in the country, but I had like such a, a, um, an important relationship with nature because I think it was one of the only spaces I felt completely safe in society besides like, you know, by myself or whatever, because I was pretty effeminate like growing up. Um, and I don't know, I think for queer kids, we can sense whenever adults don't feel comfortable, you know, or whenever they like pay more attention to other kids and shit. So thankfully I was introverted and like, you know, I was sort of a smart ass, but that's because I had to be growing up where I grew up, but um, nature and connecting with the elements was always um, a safe space. So yeah, I um, I think one of the ways I really connected with, um, I guess, being a witch at a young age um, was just that that feeling of connectedness to the elements, like to, to storms, because I grew up in like Tornado Alley, basically. Um, and yeah, to storms and just to rain, to like big bodies of water, lakes, trees. Um, so I always just felt very like at home, but it was like a sense of connectedness um, that was like beyond sort of, you know, very like witchy. Mm. Now in Ifa, there's um, like the Orishas are elemental, mm. right? And yeah. do, so when you started to, to learn about, is it Oya, the goddess of mm -hmm. the wind? Yeah. Like, did you, did, did you recognize something about your six-year-old self and elemental connection when you started to learn about the Orishas and their, yeah, their and I actually just, I actually just started learning, um, like last year after I got my hand of Ifa. but, um, yeah, I would say also as far as like philosophically, yeah, I was, um, I was connecting with the spirits, the nature spirits. So um, yeah. yeah, those are Orisha, you know, for us, uh, there is a lot of, I guess, there's a lot of like Native American uh, influence in hoodoo also, and in like um, like country, Mississippi and Louisiana culture. Um, and so, yeah, I think the way that people talk about it, I think this is a, th a theme in literature, like in Southern literature is like animism, so um, really personifying the elements because a lot of times like with if you, growing up somewhere where there's a lot of storms, 
it's like you understand like the precariousness of um, life, you know, and how um, with one tornado shh, can I wipe a whole town out. Um, so not like people were going out and doing wind and rain dances and stuff like that, but people understood, you know, there was kind of like people gave, I guess, kind of like personified nature in a particular way that um, a lot of people, you know, in urban cities don't really do or anything like that. So that's yeah. kind of like how I grew up um, thinking about it. Okay. Yeah. And then since then, I mean, you've had a lot of different training and influences, your master's yeah. degree in sociology, right? Yeah. And, yeah. And, um, and then you're into astrology and astrosophy, which is the combination of astrology and philosophy. Mm -hmm. So what, like, how do you conceive of your synthesis at this point? What are the different yeah. streams that you're combining and making sense of? So I really like astrosophy. Um, Rudolf Stein, Stein, I think. Um, I watched this whole like long YouTube series on it. And then I like it because I can kind of like use it and um, use it and kind of merge it with my own philosophy. But I really do like the concept of the planets being different spheres of consciousness um, and ultimately making up um, a being, you know, it's like as above, so below. So I really like that. And it kind of makes a lot of sense for me with birth charts, because you understand how with varying degrees, different types of energies like interact on a grid basically to create these like dynamics. I don't read birth charts really, but that's how I conceptualize astrosophy. And, um, and that's how I make sense of astrology. So I really, I really love that idea. Um, and then I guess, did you want to know about anything besides astrology? Oh yeah, I'm curious just about your your synthesis, like your whole synthesis, mm -hmm. because you do client readings and divinations. Oh, yeah. But I imagine that you're using all of your, you know, mm -hmm. you're you're using all of your tools. So how do you feel them combining in you? And mm -hmm. yeah, what 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 do you conceive of like when you think about your synthesis and your practice? Mm -hmm. I will. I'm a Mercury in the twelfth house with Aquarius. So I think whenever I found that out, it made a lot of sense because um, for me, it's like about connecting with the ideas um, and then also like finding words or finding like concepts to express what I'm like experiencing um, or, you know, different downloads and stuff like that. Yeah, so I would say mostly um, my synthesis is the ideas, I guess, but like, I feel like it's a part of a whole like book or like it's a part of like the book of Keonce or something like that. But um, I don't know. It's like, oh God, because I'm going in like five <laughs> different directions like as far as like synthesis. But I was, I guess principally um, my synthesis, I guess five maybe key words would be um, Ifa and then um, magic, like high magic and then um, sociology divining like yeah cardomancy um and then like mysticism mm -hmm. so i guess yeah i guess i was yeah more a mystic sort of mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah i was looking at your chart when you were um going ah! all those thoughts in my head and um along with being an aquarius rising and having mercury in aquarius in the 12th house you also have this 11th house stellium yeah of a whole bunch of stuff like your 
um, your Capricorn sun, Capricorn moon, and then you've got the generational stellium of Uranus, Saturn, Neptune in Capricorn, um, and Venus in late Sagittarius also in, in the 11th. Um, and the 11th house relates with the 11th sign, which is Aquarius, which is an energy of a lot of thoughts <laughs> and yeah. like, and, and high intelligence and the ability to, to synthesize a lot of different information and mm -hmm. put it out into the world. So yeah, that face and hand gesture you did that the <laughs> listeners couldn't see was really <laughs> perfect. It felt like, <laughs> I don't know, but it, it all works together. You know what I mean? But um, yeah, that's that's kind of where I am now. I don't know. I do, yeah, I, I can't really put it, I guess like, yeah, I guess that would be the synthesis. Magician, spiritual mentor for stuff, you know, for my academy, my, my um, Cyber Witch Academy and Tarot Academy. And then, um, yeah. And then I would say, I see the world through sociology. It like, that was kind of my academic training. So I like to use that um, to just think about the world in like a meta kind of way. But then, you know, it helps with spirituality too. Did you have a um, specific focus with sociology? I did gender and sexuality. So I okay. actually, um, I went to University of Michigan too. Top five program in the country. Okay. <laughs> top 15 in the world. Uh, <laughs> okay. But, oh, <laughs> but um, it, um, I was actually in a PhD program there, but I decided to leave with a master's degree because I needed to have a life. But um, yeah, it was real. I, yeah, I studied um, gender and sexuality. And so I think that just studying gender and sexuality really helped me understand, um, I guess, like the spectrum, how like just so, okay, I had had my like, you know, like my um, my first initiation with the the psychedelic experience. So gender for me is like we're embodying different um, incarnations of like God, you know, of goddess of this this in this energy or intelligence that we're kind of um, interpolated mm -hmm. and, you know, just like here. So um, the gender, studying gender and sexuality was very like, I feel like spiritual for me, but also it helped me understand um, the ways that the world is structured according to gender and, you know, and is created to like, a lot of times perform social control, you know, to yeah. keep, so that I just like was, you know, that kind of just like really helped me understand spirituality and like, because I love talking about like conspiracy theory, but there are definitely a lot of um, violent spiritual mechanisms in society to keep us broken down or, you know, to keep us sh in shame, you know, as talking about women's oppression, that patriarchy is a whole binding spell and curse against, you know, the femme. So um, kind of understanding that, like how a lot of these um, institutions are, um, their main goal is to maintain a certain kind of control and thereby um, maintain, you know, status quo. Yeah, mm -hmm. I love that articulation that patriarchy is a binding spell against the femme. It feels, yeah. <laughs> feels really real. <laughs> you, yeah. you grew up Baptist. Right, or in proximity to Baptist, I was coaching for a minute. Okay, so when when you've um, like now at this point in in your development with um, your own practice, your own awareness of uh, yourself as a 
as a multidimensional spiritual being. And then the analysis um, and critique that, that you have through the sociology lens. Mm-hmm. Can you talk a little bit about how you've metabolized Christianity mm-hmm. or religion and like oh, made, uh, yeah. <laughs> let's get futuristic. Um, so I do ultimately, I was really into like um, Nisha whenever I was growing up or like in college. Because I mean, ultimately this, I feel like this is definitely, well, in EFI, we call it a marketplace. This is the matrix where our souls come to learn important lessons. This is kind of like the underworld, to be honest. Hmm. So that is kind of how I start thinking very young. And I think also being queer and kind of always outside, I, I was able to see more of the institution, you know, or of how this was a matrix. Because I grew up like, I remember just thinking, like, even being six years old, I'm like, y'all are fucking idiots. What are you even talking about? This was when I was like, I was grew up in Mississippi, by the way. But um, that, I mean, it's not really easy to metabolize that, you know, that this is a fucked up world. And like, you can't really expect anything else except out of yourself and other people that you meet who happen to, you know, vibrate at the same level. But um, yeah, I, I think of it kind of almost like the movie, The Matrix, like the first one, um, especially with Christianity. I, I grew, I remember growing up, I like noticed a lot of stuff like men trying to look up women's like dresses and all that. And then I was like looking at the pastor. There was a lot, I, I was like a teenager, but there was a, I, were, I remember having this feeling like there was so much sexual energy going at the pastor and he was like transmuting it into like power you know what I mean over people so it's like they like to act like there's a separation between that and sex and sexuality but there isn't actually there's a lot of manipulation going on so I mean that is sad reality but it's true but at the same time I think it makes it so that like with me knowing that it's more of a responsibility for me to you know do my to be responsible for my own healing and to find my own support network so that is how I've had to deal with Christianity. I've definitely, I mean, I see the Bible as it's a grimoire for me. I use it for spells and like reversals and stuff like that. Um, so I see the Bible and stuff like that. It's like a cultural artifact. And then I also understand that everything in the Bible isn't there. So, you know, like Gnostic, the Gnostic, um, um, you know, part of the Bible isn't really there. So we're not even, a lot of humanity is only going on like 15% of the right. true knowledge. So also I think that's why I love the occult also um, because it helps me understand there's a lot of knowledge that people just don't have. And sometimes um, I think a lot of people are intuitively born with the ability to just see through the cracks, you know, but um, a lot of people aren't like that. So in this, I'm not calling people dumb. It's just like people live in their own sort of simulations, sort of, you know? Well, I think it's interesting that um, link between a more natural, I'm using air quotes, or embodied intuition and what happens with sensuality and sexuality, Mm. because making people mistrust their bodies and hate themselves for having desire or feeling sensual pleasure or wanting sensual pleasure is such an an easy and quick and almost complete domination of their will 
and, mm-hmm. and, and power. Yeah. And we're coming from millennia, you know, of, of that <laughs> as mm-hmm. an influence mm-hmm. and ancestral memory. And I think, um, that there's been a very clear strategy around the utilization of that kind of violence, which is to separate people from their intuition. Exactly. Yeah. Sex is, I feel like sex and sexuality is very much so intertwined with intuition. I mean, in a lot of ancient um, villages and a lot of ancient cultures, queer people are gateway people, you know, like, so we exist in between the realms as, and that is through our embodiment of, um, you know, gender, gender fucking gender queering, you know, I'm thinking about kind of like Mercury as multi-gender being mm-hmm. um, and Mercury's role. And of course you have Mercury in your 12th house um, and at, in a place that's deeply spiritual and very much a part of the way that you kind of like are in relationship to the cosmos. Mm-hmm. And Mercury is the only figure that traverses between the worlds. Mm-hmm. Into the what? world and into the world. Yeah, that was Mercury's role or Hermes. Yeah, was to to bring messages between That's the gods, the issue. above and below. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Right. Mm-hmm. And and again, there's like a you know I think a lot of the planetary symbolism related to the Hellenic pantheon um, mm-hmm. is an appropriation of earlier. Oh yeah. You know, Sumerian, but- Babylonian, Mesopotamian, kind of like ancient Egyptian um figures uh tell me a little bit about psychedelics and how working with plants and psychedelic substances or medicines have been part of your journey so um i would say i got interested first through doing um or i i guess like started the journey when i did salvia for the first time um this was in 2008 (laughs) damn um (laughs) Oh, why does that feel like it wasn't that long ago, but it actually is. Um, so I actually did that for the first time in like 2007 with one of my friends um, who also lives in New Orleans now. Um, but whenever I did that, I like had, I had this vision. Okay, so with Salvia, you basically see stuff for 10 minutes at most, and then it's gone completely. So in that moment, I saw um, I saw dead people everywhere, just like death, like complete, like a kind of like apocalyptic stuff. And so my mind, like when I saw that, it helped me understand kind of like the souls I was living around in Mississippi, because I remember just feeling feeling very isolated, but very in tune, you know. Um, and so it kind of, that really helped me understand, I think my, the, my, the source of my own like depression and I guess the darkness inside me, how it was a reflection of the environment. But yeah, that was very deep. And so a lot of my um, plant medicine like experiences have been, um, sorry about that. They have been um, exploring shadows and exploring like um, trauma and intergenerational trauma, but from um, it's kind of like looking at it from a spaceship, you know, like looking at the ground from a spaceship. It's kind of like you're like, oh, this isn't as bad, you know. Well, not it's not as bad, but it's like it's easier to just be like, wow, well, da 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 da. da. And also that could be the plant. Spirit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. Um, and then I, um, I did, I think I t- talked to you about this before, but I can retell the story, but I did this, um, 
this psychedelic experience. It's called the Psychedelic Experience by Timothy Leary. Um, and it's a ritual where you use LSD to induce a soul death and rebirth. And I had like a series of coincidences that happened that were like, it was, I call it my first initiation because um, I like discovered kind of enlightenment, like, and I don't, I don't use that word lightly because after, after the experience, I was still a human, but I experienced like a complete oneness with like the universe. If it, I guess if you know about the um, tree of life, it's like, it's the merging with the holy guardian angel, like in Hermetic mm -hmm. Kabbalah. So it was like, I was literally, I didn't even know about Hermetic. Oh, I had read about it and stuff like that. But I literally, that was my merging moment, sort of. Um, and so, yeah, the phrase was man under the tree. And I was in this cemetery, actually, big surprise. Um, and I had, you know, taken the LSD on the Grand Cross Eclipse. And it's like, um, you repeat mantras to yourself. I had recorded them on my phone. And then I had some music and a storm came through, like literally just like a big storm. Um, and it was, there wasn't any rain anywhere else really. And so I was under this tree listening to this music and just like, I was just, um, I was imagining my history and then just going really far back in time. And then I was thinking about like how um, with like different category, cause I was learning a lot about gender stuff too. I was like, categories are the source of a lot of power because a lot of times we see these categories or we're shaped to think about things in certain ways. So like we're shaped to think, society shapes to think about things in extremes and polarity. So, you know, it's either has to be black or white um, but then I understood like how, I guess like geniuses are geniuses cause they can synthesize like any idea from like point A to point B. And like, I had a lot of realizations about like writing and language, mm. and, um, but in a like synesthesia, like sense and like, you know, so that happened. It was a, it was a mega download. Like, yeah, it sounds like I, went to, I went to University of Michigan after like six months later. So it wasn't any kind of bullshit. But it was like, I got, it was a huge download. And then I went back to my friend's house and it got struck by lightning. And when the lightning struck, that's whenever I had this literal big bang moment with like understanding the universe. I, it was, it was a lot, but that I, I would say my whole life after that has been un, even unraveling concepts that I learned in, um, in that communication so then I also, I've done like, you know, shrooms and I, I got the idea to do my business from that spirit. Mm -hmm. um, and then I've done DMT also. I only have to do that one time because I communicated with two light beings, like literally like high intelligence. And, and I had some past life reincarnation stuff. Um, yeah, but I've, I've, I guess I've done a lot of the travels. But that's mm -hmm. how some have factored in. But a lot of it has been really helping me process um, breakthroughs. And I got into microdosing, especially whenever a quarantine first hit mm -hmm. or COVID. So, um, yeah, that's kind of how I've used them. And then, yeah, just to do some exploration and, I don't know, ritual. Yeah. How do you work with integration? Because I, my experience is also, you know, psychedelics that I've had really 
big, really powerful openings and big realizations come in. And then I'm human again <laughs> and, you know, have to integrate everything that's come through. Um, do you have any practices or ways that you work to integrate? Um, well, I have done tarot for like a long time. And I actually, you, I would do tarot sometimes whenever I was on psychedelics. But um, I think having, I guess like, I always pray to my spirit guides and stuff like that. And I feel like they kind of like help remind me of different stuff. But I would say if you are, um, I guess like if it's like for anybody, get good at recording. So record whatever thoughts you have, write whatever that is, you know, and then use that moment when you're kind of like, you know, coming down to really record what's going on. And then you can look back at it and then um, form formulate some kind of plan of how to integrate like one or two of the elements. Because I used to see myself like, far in the future. And I was like, child, I'm not getting there. <laughs> not right now. So I would like, you know, I have the idea, but there's only, there's certain things that I'm working towards, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And yeah. And be forgiving with yourself, but you know, um, I think that is a great method for recording and integrating. Yeah. 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 I feel like I, um, I've had a, a couple of really powerful realizations, downloads, mm -hmm. shifts happen for me that um, have come through with, with psychedelics. And I feel like I work with them for years. I mean, like certain, you know, certain realizations that come in where in that moment, it's very clear to me and I get it but then I have to come back into my embodied existence where there are a lot of structures and memories and like habits mm. that have been built up around the old way of being, you know, or the way of being that isn't necessarily in alignment with the realization that I've had. And so then there's this kind of slow process of repatterning. Mm -hmm. True. You know what I mean? Yeah, that was, um, yeah, I totally know what you mean. And then in those cases, Sometimes it's like, do you is it a support system to engage mm -hmm. or, you know, um, yeah, utilizing some external assistance. Yeah. 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 I mean, I find astrology helpful as well and meditation and, and stuff, but I also pretty consistently work with microdosing or work with kind of like low level dosing with um, cannabis and I, I really appreciate those allies and, and helpers. I think it's also important to recognize the opportunities that life presents after the realization, because that is, I feel like the be one of the best ways to integrate is, you know, practicing um, and like, you know, listening kind of whenever life presents you with an opportunity. Like for instance, for me, it was like, I guess not popping off as much. And, um, you know, I would get the opportunity, you know, and I would be like, okay breathe. Uh -huh. and so that was how I slowly did some integration. But yeah, that was my last answer for that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I appreciate that. I remember listening to an episode of your podcast, Millennial Soul Food, when you um, talked with someone whose name I can't remember, but I think he was out here in Oregon about cannabis. And Oh, Jason, my friend, Jason Wilson, curious about mm -hmm. cannabis, check out his book. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's one of my best friends. 
So in your practice with with hoodoo and um, your synthesis, you work a lot with herbal medicine and um, you post a lot on your Instagram about like the other day you made this really great post about dandelion. Can you talk a little bit about your relationship with plants and plant energies and how you've learned to come into connection with them? Um, so I would say I principally came into connection with, I guess, like the herbs through cooking a lot, because I call myself a kitchen witch, <laughs> but um, understanding how those herbs can be used in metaphysical sense, in a metaphysical sense, um, that's kind of how I really got interest, more interested in herbs and herbal um, herbal medicine and stuff like that. And then I also um, love using tinctures. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so I I like using those. Um, but I actually, I, I guess I got start, I got really interested in it um, in college through this Scott Cunningham book. Um, he's like a really well known like occultist, but um, yeah, I would say using them like medicinally also, I mean, I guess cannabis is medicinal too. Um, I, I, I have kind of like go through ways with that, but um, yeah, that's kind of how I use it. Um, I use a lot of herbs in my cooking though. And then mm-hmm. um, also in my like hoodoo practice, like for instance mm-hmm. with candles, like maybe using some crushed up bay leaves and thyme. I also love using uh, doing herbal bath teas. So using like a French press to, you know, put in some organic herbs. Like I'll do like lemongrass, hyssop and some rue or mint or, you know, lavender and then put the hot water in there and then strain it and put it into the bath. I use herbs uh, a lot for that because you can do, mm-hmm. you know, you can do like prosperity baths. You can do like self-love baths, like rela- relaxation baths. So. I like a good lemongrass um, herbal tea bath. So Mm. that's how I use the plants a lot also. Well, we're recording on a Friday, which is Venus's day. And I know you honor the the planetary deities on their days. Um, And prosperity and love are Venus's domains. Would you be able to share with the listeners a little bit about how to make these baths or any other practices you have for prosperity and love? Well, violets are great for love. Violets, you can do some rose petals. Um, You can even put a vanilla bean or two in there. Um, Chamomile is cute. Um, And it also is good for like success and prosperity. So, I mean, yeah, I would say go to your local botanica or go to where you can get like dried herbs and then use a French press. Some people can use, I guess you can use like cheesecloth and a funnel or something too, if, or, you know, in a measuring cup. But um, yeah, I would say do that. And I like Epsom salt too. Um, So I have this ashwagandha and orange citrus, like Epsom salt right now. And I love that for a bath. so yeah, that's kind of what I would recommend, especially for like Venus Day. But yeah, um, let's say if it were Thursday and you want to do a um, prosperity bath, that would be typically those herbs are a little bit more like, you know, green smelling, kind of like like bay leaves, thyme is good. I guess rosemary also. Um, but yeah, that's how you can use the herbs. Hmm. Do you um, 
have other elements of that ceremony? Like, do you pray to the herbs or yeah. do anything else to call in their energy to hold this space? Um, I like to cleanse the herbs. So if I'm doing, whenever I'm doing ritual, I will burn like frankincense. Um, and then I will like, sometimes I will pray over, especially if I'm doing like, a, like um, shiitakes, mushrooms, I like to, I'll blow like smoke over those and then like say a prayer, you know, um, just thanking the plants. And then sometimes whenever I get into the baths, I will read like the Psalms or it just depends on what I'm looking for or like say a mantra. So I have been doing, um, I was doing like a cord cutting bath Mm. and I um, was, I put, put my right hand into the water as it was um, filling up and I was spinning it around. I was saying, I release you with gratitude. I release you with gratitude. I release you with gratitude. So that's also kind of like a cord cutting. Like, and I put like lemon juice in it, like squeeze some lemon in it, some um, cascadilla, which is like eggshells ground up. And then I put Florida water in. Mm. Mm. Thanks for sharing those. Yeah. Um, when you, when you were talking, I was also thinking about, because um, you said you burn frankincense, which made me think about sage and kind of the mis misuse or the misappropriation mm -hmm. of sage. And um, I know with, <clears throat> with hoodoo, I think especially, but a lot of the African traditional religions, there's um, like a need for discernment, I think from, from those of us, I'm including me <laughs> in this group, you know, that don't come, um, from a background where this is like part of our lineages or biographies and um and yeah so when i was listening to that i was thinking about hmm, how to be in integrity with the use of spells and like medicinals especially if it comes through traditions that um maybe a person doesn't have their own like lineage connection with is that something that you think about or like that you counsel your clients with or, or anything? Um, so I guess one, th I kind of like um, with hoodoo, I think like there's a lot of commonalities between spells and stuff like that. Or I think t typically with like magic systems or I guess in ma natural magic systems, it's like depends on the environment and like the materials that are available. So if, so if, you know, if like a white person decides to use a bay leaf and like some spells I talk about on Instagram, I don't really care about that. I think it's more about um, understanding the source of where the knowledge is coming from. And then, um, yeah, kind of like paying homage to the culture. So not, you know, cause sometimes like, I guess with marketeering hoodoo, it debases the the culture that it's from. So here in New Orleans, there's like there's a lot of white people who are benefiting from um, hoodoo, but then a lot of black people haven't moved out. Like my granddad had right. moved after Katrina. Like a lot of people um, can't afford to live here. So I think that's kind of um, yeah. I think that's a great example of kind of the exploitation part, but. Yeah, I think also um, shop black businesses. <laughs> if you're like, mm -hmm. you know, if you're practicing, cause I mean, there's like white people who practice Ifa and like Santeria and stuff like that. Um, and like, you know, just support the businesses, support black business. Um, and yeah, I mean, 
Yeah, but if someone if someone uses a spell that I have on Instagram, I'm like, I don't really care because I don't really put the. I mean, I put very simple stuff on Instagram. I mean, yeah. there's a lot of simple stuff, but yeah, I don't put anything on there that I wouldn't want someone to use. You know, like I don't put any like hex stuff or you know secret like stuff. You know. Yeah. 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 I'm kind of thinking about how um, I feel for me as a, as a person that, you know, I, I feel a really deep lineage with astrology. My mom was an astrologer and um, I know that on my dad's side for several generations on his paternal line, there were um, rabbis like within kind of a more mystical Jewish faith. And so I, I feel like in some ways I have a really deep connection to like ancestral practice and ancestral knowing, but then also being a millennial um, and loving the internet and being curious, you know, I've like gathered from a lot of different places and I studied yoga for a long time. And like, there's a full mini conversations to have about white women who are yoga teachers, you know, <laughs> study yoga, um, but I guess one of the one of the places where I where I am now is um, you know thinking a lot about how to be in integrity with our spiritual practices is mm -hmm. is also like being in integrity with politics and like mm -hmm. a glo a global connection exactly and the the reality of like structural violence and economic violence gender based violence etc um, and yeah, when you were talking about um, the, you know, what's happening in New Orleans, it was making me think about the original impulse I had to reach out to you, which is when I was listening to an interview or an, another conversation you had on the Rise Up Goodwitch podca podcast, and you were talking about collective economies and the need for like spiritual workers to be in integrity with money. Yeah. <clears throat> which is something that I really like deeply resonate with and um, feel very compelled towards as a means of, of spiritual um, practice and also clarification for myself. Like mm -hmm. the more that I can work out my relationship with money and capitalism and white supremacy that filters through capitalism, then the more I can trust my instincts as an intuitive mm -hmm. and like a spiritual conduit. Um, I, if that makes sense. <laughs> a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's kind it's of also like, difficult to talk about because there aren't really a lot of models for it, you know? Well, it's like, I know that, um, we're all arising in conditions of massive unnecessary harm, you know, like <laughs> these conditions of, of all these oppressive systems and the way that they even live. Totally. And like when we internalize, so if I internalize capitalism and I put dollar amounts on my work, but also on the labor of others, you mm -hmm. know, and on this kind of, ex, you know, the exchange, I need to be aware of what I'm doing, I guess. And this is what I've been <clears throat> trying to understand for myself because I feel, um, I feel like there's just so much harm and so much confusion around money as a currency because of the ways that white supremacy and capitalism and patriarchy and misogyny and da da da, you know, have 
have shaped around money as an energy that um, is accessible to only a very, you know, it's like three people own, Mm -hmm. what is it like 99% of the world's wealth at this point, right? right? And so if I'm going to engage with money and like the exchange of money as a form in my work, Mm-hmm. then I need to be critical about what money is and what the system of capitalism is. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I need to unpack that for myself constantly and try and understand, like, for example, if I'm going to price a workshop that I'm selling, you know, what happens to me somatically and spiritually when I put a dollar amount on my work and then that creates a barrier for people, or it creates um, an expectation on their part, mm-hmm. or some kind of blockage energetically between us being in communion and sharing knowledge and sharing healing mm-hmm. practices. And at the same time, I need to value my work and I need to s- sustain myself. And mm-hmm. I believe that everybody, ha- you know, should be able to live in a state of like material comfort and mm-hmm. and abundance. So yeah, I've been I've been really working to <laughs> untie a lot of stuff, yeah, uncouple uh, a lot of things and Yeah, I mean it does. I mean, I do. I mean, yeah, that is a good question. Also, I mean, it's like, you know, like the fact that a lot of our clothes are made for um people make them on like wages that we couldn't even like buy a bottle of water on. They live on it for a week. So, I mean, I think that that's the nature of the, the matrix, definitely. But I do think there are um, different things, I guess, that, you know, we're trying to figure out. Like, I mean, as things get expensive, communities are going to need to be able to rally together more and create like, um, you know, like money pots and stuff like that. Even like in starting with like friends or something, maybe like people you trust, like create a bank account where you can like share funds and stuff. Cause there is, um, I think that's kind of like, that's like informal economy, but I think that's going to be a huge need, um, as we move forward in the future. And then, um, like really being conscious about like donating to like different types of organizations. Cause I think that is one of the best ways to like, you know, empower individuals or donate to individuals that you, you know, you might, see or know in your community um because i think that's like i guess that's kind of like one of the best ways to approach it without getting too overwhelmed you know because at the end of the day we can't all save the world but i do think um just thinking about money differently especially um even supporting people like i mean we i mean i think do you have are you on a subscription service like yeah. like I that helps me out, you know. So I think also this kind of like crowdfunding is really um amazing too. But I do think in the future, as you know, as we move further into the age of Aquarius, but um we're gonna have to find more solutions for that. And I like to kind of talk about the, I guess the negative parts of the age of Aquarius is further um income inequality and like technocracy, you know, and surveillance. Mm-hmm. So that's Mm kind of like the shadowy underbelly of the age of Aquarius and kind of what we have to be thinking about as communities. Um, Yeah, knowledge sharing, but I do think with uh, the cooperative economics that will be very important. Um, And I guess the best way, yeah, to start with that is find somewhere where you can 
um, donate or donate to a person or something like that. Yeah, and I think also I think it's also important for um, I guess like on a I guess a spiritual um, kind of um, spiritual tip, like we, even though we do exist in capitalism, you can be <clears throat> anti-capitalist to a certain degree. But I think it's really important that people re um, re kind of like configure or think about their relationship to money and how. Like, cause I did a lot of, uh, shout out to Dr. Kate Thomas. She, um, our podcast is coming out, but she does a, um, spiritual life upgrade masterclass. And I did the money magic, um, module. And it's about, um, this is especially for people who, you know, come from historically marginalized, especially economically disenfranchised people, um, like black people, you know, um, people of generation, like, I guess, like of immigrants, parents of immigrants and stuff like that. Well, some people parents of immigrants are pretty rich. Anyone who, you know, is marginalized economically, but I think it's very important that people um, learn how to rework our relationship with money, um, especially as it relates to uh, inheriting ways of thinking about money that inhibit us from like holding on to it and, you know, just going out and spending it on everything. So Mm -hmm. I think that is also, um, that's kind of a, a big step, I think, and money consciousness before people even like began donating, you know, and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. I think Mm -hmm. those people who are able to transform their thinking about money, um, because I mean, being black, like there are hella structural um, like mechanisms in place to keep me down or whatever, but also there's a lot of psychological um, norms that also relate to like scarcity mindset in in my community. so I think it's really important that we learn how to become more conscious of um, money as an energy and then using it in a particular way. Um, yeah, because there isn't really, I think, yeah, there isn't really a lot. There's, I mean, I would say, yeah, there's groups that do do it. And I think it's like outside the United States, especially, but we live in such an individualist um, society that is different. But I do think that people reworking their relationship with money and understanding that it's not evil and it's like energy and a resource um, that they can have access to, you know, given certain conditions. I think that's important. And then people become more conscious of the money as an energy that they are working for and then spend it in uh, more conscious ways. Can you share anything about, um, maybe to to close from here to wrap up, like, Anything about your practices or what you offer with the people that you work with to help people know themselves and love themselves more and like accept more spirit into their lives? Mm-hmm. Um, well, I do have my Patreon and then I um, I have my MSF Cyber Witch and Tarot Academy. Um, I guess this is basically what I do. And I, I do reading sometimes um, intermittently but um, yeah, I would say checking out my content, my podcasts, those are some of the best ways to um, hear about how um, I encourage you to pursue your own type of spirituality or explore different types and begin to love yourself more. Will you tell us a little bit more about the Cyber Witch Academy? Yeah, so that is a three-week intensive course that I teach. 
And it basically is, um, it's an introduction to understanding like the occult. And so we look at like the cultural representations of what a witch is, what a cyber witch is, which basically is understanding like being a witch in, um, in online communities and learning a lot through the internet. So, um, and then the, it relates kind of to Afrofuturism too. Um, but I have all kinds of people who take the class. And then we learn about like um, basic elements of the occult and like altar setup and um, spell work and um, spirit guide communication, um, trans states of consciousness. So we talk about a lot of different stuff. Um, so that's the Cyber Witch Academy. Um, and yeah, it's, you can check out my website for more information about it. And then yeah, the Tarot Academy, that is uh, just basically three week intensive where I'm teaching about tarot as far as how you can use it to communicate with spirit guides, um, using it for spell work. I have this one section called like decolonizing the court cards where we talk about the court cards outside of the context of um, like, I guess like white features, you know. Um, yeah, so that, that's a little bit about my academies. <laughs> Do you have anything coming up soon or starting in the next couple of months? Um, so I think the Academy is going to, I'm going to continue doing that. And then the Patreon. Um, so yeah, that's where you can see most of my new stuff. And I have a lot of podcast episodes coming up. So yeah. yeah. And Kian's podcast is fabulous. Millennial. Yes. Food. Literally only I am coming out with a 25th episode soon. So I can't believe it's been a year. I got to start doing more. Ooh. I'm like, wow. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, last question for you. Um, eclipses are coming up soon in Gemini season. Do you, so you mentioned this um, experience you had back in 2010 with your eclipse journey. Do you have anything you're thinking about for working with eclipses this year or ways that you're working with eclipses currently? Um, I usually like to take baths and then I use binaural beats. Um, you know what those are? Oh, binaural beats. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Right. So I like to do those on eclipse days because it's very, it's easy for me to like trance out and I'd like see, I just like, it's easy for me to travel. Like just give me 10 minutes of meditation. And so sometimes I like to do that with my headphones, of course, being safe. I like to do that in a bath. Um, and then, yeah, I just like, I just like to do travel like that. And then I get a lot of downloads. So that's mm. one, of my one of my favorite things to do on eclipses. So I most likely do something like that. It's very potent mm. energy out there right now. Mm -hmm. I love that because, um, yeah, I think what I, what, what, how I interpret eclipses um, with the alignment between the sun, earth, and moon and their symbolism within the, um, kind of various languages for, for these luminaries, for our planet and for, um, for, for their alignment that happens at eclipses is that our kind of individual consciousness gets opened to a greater consciousness mm -hmm. and we can get seeded you know there can be portal. something that is is planted yeah a portal um that can take us back into the future and or back to the future and <laughs> forward to the past right because that's this kind of image of the dragon mm -hmm. eating its tail and um it's an an opportunity to work with karma and the resolution of karmic yeah. patterns 
and the binaural beats, um, how they take you into that. Is it the the theta brain state? I, I forget mm -hmm. the, I think the so. name. Yeah, that kind of like the, the place where your brain is when you're in a dreaming state, but you're mm -hmm. awake. And um, that seems like an amazing way to just open your your mental and brain consciousness. Um, and then sitting in a bath, of course, honoring the moon, working with water. It is, it's amazing. You people should definitely try it out. If you don't want to be in the water, you know, just do it, um, you know, sit, sit on the floor, be comfortable. Um, yeah, the hemi-sync method is also, it's like a guided meditation for astral travel. I think it's like about 35 to 40 minutes. But yeah, I would say definitely for eclipses, because I don't do ritual on eclipses. I don't, because like, just it's not the energy to do it. Um, so I think it's best to go within because the portal is so open. And I think that's the reason the ancients, you know, didn't even look at the eclipse because it's like the portal's open. There's all kinds of spirits around and all kinds of energies with like eclipses that happen. So, mm. mm hmm. Well, thank you so much, Kian, for being a guest. <laughs> wow, I was not expecting this. Um, I just was like, I'm so glad <laughs> this because it's good to, yeah, it's good to interact with other people and recognize my work. <laughs> yes, yes. Oh my gosh. You know, when you were, um, I remembered finally like what I was trying to remember earlier. Um, which is that when you were talking about sexuality and also your journey and experience as a queer kid, um, I was noticing that the highest point in your chart, like the highest planet in your chart, well, it's not a planet, it's an asteroid, Vesta. Mm. And do you know Vesta? No. Okay, so you're gonna love this. Um, so Vesta is the appropriated name, of course, um, and the goddess was was appropriated and kind of mutated into the goddess of the hearth and the home. But, okay. but actually Vesta um, has a connection and a correlation to the um, temple priestesses. Vesta was attended by the Vestal virgins who oh. were women who were uh, young girls who were taken from like the wealthiest families in Hellenic Greece and um, trained from a really early age to serve this goddess who was represented by a fire. And so mm. at the center of every city, there was um, a sacred fire. And this was the fire of Vesta and it had to stay lit. And so these goddesses had to attend this fire 24 seven. And if the fire went out, they could keep, be killed. Like it was like, this really bad thing if the fire went out because the fire is a symbol of life. Mm -hmm. And, um, but so then if we, if we kind of like take that, that symbol and take it back, we can see that the fire is a symbol for the central channel, for the Kundalini Shakti, for like this erotic life energy that arises within all beings. Um, and that Vesta as, as a, a deity or like goddess form is an erotic energy. And it's also an energy that is like very primal, elemental and connected to the life force. Wow. And her priestesses, um, you know, temple priestesses, this is the oldest profession in the world, right? It's like a sacred prostitute basically um, yeah. that 
they they were considered virgins because they were unmarried and unowned and they they had as much power as men to sit on juries to own land um mm -hmm. etc but their work was to attend to to people who had trauma and to help them come back through sensuality like through connecting with their bodies with their erotic energy and especially they worked or they performed these services for warriors like for um, so, you know, warriors who'd been traumatized by battle. Wow. And you yeah. have Vesta right up, like almost conjunct to your midheaven, um, wow. at 28 degrees of Scorpio, right. Which is like such a deep, a deep space of transformation between, um, you know, the, the personal, emotive, intuitive, deeply ancestral kind of like embodiment and this connection into the galactic you know cosmic yeah like damn i love that I'm, i wrote a lot of stuff down all right y'all well i'm going to leave you with that for this episode but if you want to continue with the two of us you can listen to kian interviewing me for the millennial soul food podcast in that episode, we got deep into astrology, and I talked a bit about what this practice looks like for me, how I use it, how I want to use it, and offer some tips for tuning in with your astrology and the astrology of this year. You can find that episode linked in the show notes, and also definitely make sure to check out the MSF podcast for other great episodes. Some of my recent favorites are the ones on cannabis and spirituality and the seven universal laws. To learn more about Kionse and all their offerings, please check out the show notes for links and follow them on all of their platforms. If you enjoyed this episode, I think you'll definitely enjoy some of my other guest episodes, which you can find easily on Spotify, iTunes, and from my website, embodiedastrology.com. To help sustain and support this work, please share it with your friends and networks, subscribe, rate, and leave great reviews. And if you are able, please leave a tip. 100% of your financial donations and monthly subscriptions support me and a small team of queer artists and astrologers who help me bring you these interviews, your month ahead horoscopes, and so much more every month. Thank you for listening. Bye for now.